So, I haven't been in here the last few weeks, and I know that there's been a series of teachings on certain tests that we go through. Um, so I'm not going to be able to springboard off of Tracy's last teaching um, because I wasn't here, but I know she talked about the correction test. Is that right, last week? Well, I probably should have been here for that. Um, but it occurred to me as we're talking about tests, and I was really unaware of, and I know I get Maria's um, emails, but sometimes when Wednesday nights I, I'm so preoccupied with what I'm doing that I fail to read through the lessons. And um, when I got the, the, the order from Pastor to tell me this is what you're teaching on and this is how long you're going to teach, hopefully I don't go over because I tend to do that, um, he said, you're teaching on the value of anointing and honor. Whoa, that's deep. You know, I'm, I'm pretty evangelical motivated. I'm like, you know, John 3.16. I don't go much deeper than that. But um, as I was going through this, you know, I was, I was struggling with it. But then when it came, uh, when it came to me that it, this, is, this is a test that we all go through, especially in church life. I mean, it happens in, in school and in work and in, even in family. But in a church life, this is, this is amazing how the enemy will try to disrupt churches. Because how many of you know churches are what really run this world? It's this, the church um, as far as keeping, keeping God's presence here. If uh, Satan had it, everybody would be broken up. And he uses things like correction or, or rebellion and not being able to be corrected um, and honor and, and lack thereof to break up churches and cause strife and to create division and I think that's where denominations come from because I don't want to honor this guy. Okay, we'll go start your own deal. Okay, well, I do. And next thing you know, there's uh, 50,000 churches in Charleston alone. But um, anyway, I wanted to talk about the value and anointing of honor. Did you realize that there's an anointing that comes with honor? Guys, you need to get this because we're going to be talking about this again. There is an anointing assigned to honor. It's, it's attached to it. And as we, as we honor, as we learn the value of honor and we apply that in our lives, you are not going to be able to get away from the blessings that come as a result of obedience in that area. And oftentimes it's hard, especially as a male, um, to, honor, to honor authority and to honor someone else. We always want to be in control. And have, we even talked some about this last night. But it's difficult sometimes for, for human beings to honor another person because maybe their set of ideals are different or we just don't like the way they smell. I mean, there could be, and believe it or not, this sounds petty, but there are reasons that people don't honor um, one another and a lot of them just don't make sense. But let's define honor before we go deep into this. But honor means to value. To value. It takes a selfless person to value someone else. But we need, it, it, it means to hold someone in high esteem in your heart and in your sight. In your heart and in your sight. That's, that's two totally different things, and we'll get to that. But to treat with honor or high respect. This is what honor is defined as. Now, in 1 Samuel 2.30, this is, this is really what's, what kind of... Uh, created this whole outline for me was, therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I indeed, I said indeed that you honor the house and the house of your father um, would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me for those who, who honor me, I will honor. Did you get that? Those who honor me, God, the big capital M if it's in your book, in your Bible, but it says those who honor me, 
I will honor, and those who despise me I will lightly esteem. So the, the truth of the matter is we're not honoring men. We're honoring the authority that has been set before us by God. And we are honoring God by honoring what he said we're supposed to do. It's not always a beautiful thing. It's not always something that you feel good about. And you go home and say, oh, wow, I'm so glad I was challenged in that area. But honoring man is, is virtually impossible. But when you see God in man, you can honor that man. And I'm learning that so much. There's past um, experiences that I've had, past employers, old buddies, uh, other authorities, teachers, and such, that I did not honor. And even as I was putting this together, it really convicted me. And there's some areas in my life that I just, I didn't honor. And I, I did not receive the blessing as a result. But I didn't honor because I just didn't like the people. I thought they were not honorable. I didn't think they were worthy. If I had this revelation, what it meant to be under authority and, and respect them for who they are in Christ, and that he created them, he set them over me, be it, you know, some, there's some police officers that aren't born-again Christians, but you still need to honor them. Because they're the authority that has been set before you. And you honor God in honoring them. Despite your differences. None of this was on my notes, but we're going to go forward. Um, and that's another thing. Pastor wanted me to create an outline. I told Maria, I don't think in outlines. I'm like, a, I just get a springboard and I go with it. But I'm, I'm going to stick to it. Honor must begin in the heart before it has expression in sight or words. Now, Isaiah 29:13 it says, with their lips they honor me but their hearts have been far removed from me. That is so common these days. There's those, Pastor Tracy says it best when she says there's disobedience that allows you to sit down in front, you know, before someone, but inside you're standing up. That same applies when you're, when you're honoring someone. How many of you have seen the movie Liar, Liar? I'm not a huge Jim Carrey fan, but in that movie he said they stand before a judge, and he can't lie. I mean, he's under this promise that he made, and he can't lie for 24 hours. He just can't do it. It's, it's impossible. And... Everyone stands up and they say, the Honorable Judge Brown presiding. And he, Honorable. But he, that was what was going on inside of him. Outside he was standing with the rest of them and being polite like he would normally, but the inside of him had to speak because he can't lie. And all of a sudden he's, his true heart spoke forth. And um, there's a lot of people that do that. And it, it, that, the act of obedience not followed with feeling or your heart, and it's not always feelings either, it's just the, the heart of God, knowing, Lord, I'm going to honor them because you said so, not because I want to get what I want or I have to or else I'm going to get in trouble. And so that's huge. When the body crowns the senior pastor, now we're going to bring this down to a, a church level, um, but there, because of the anointing, you need to get this, okay? When the body, that's us, the body of Christ, crowns the senior pastor, obviously that would be Pastor Baird, um, with heartfelt honor, there is an outbreak of favor of the Lord. You see, pastor's been anointed to do what he does. I know he's been anointed because he can remember all that he remembers. That is the anointing. I want that favor. But the favor of the Lord is poured out on this house because of his pursuit of the Lord. We honor him because of the vision. You know, throughout the Bible, there's always, even, I mean, Moses. Moses led millions out of, but it was just Moses. Now, people were bickering and complaining and but they, they followed him, and he did what he said he was going to do. If they would have honored, truly honored in their heart and quit their bickering or complaining and gone around in circles for 40 years, they might have achieved that which they set out to achieve. But it was the lack of the heart. If they had honored him the way that 
God calls us to honor those in authority over us. See, he was their pastor, in essence. He was leading them. He had a vision. He had a calling from the Lord. He was being obedient, walking out, swam upstream. The whole world would tell, you, tell him that, no, this is not going to happen. You're never going to get out. These people are never going to follow you. You're never going to get past the Red Sea. Well, he, he went, and they led. He led them. They followed. And there was an anointing there. And that's miraculous. We're under a pastor that has that type of anointing in this house. And there's going to be churches sprung forth from this house. And some of you are going to go out to start your ministries. And God's going to anoint you. And you're going to have sheep under you. And it's just, it will continually flow. But this principle will follow you wherever you go. And it's important that as we crown the senior pastor, and that's such a wonderful picture, to, to picture us crowning him and honoring him in that way. Granted, he's just a man. Pastor Baird is just a man. But he is a man of God. He is called by God. And we honor God in him. Um, now, honor establishes the blessings of God. And it will retaliate by rewarding you. This is so true. If you've ever been a boss and you've had insubordinate employees, you know what it feels like to not be honored. If you honor, you will be honored. If you want to have friends, be friendly. It, it, all those principles apply. And it is, it's a pay it forward. It's a... Um, that, you know, you'll reap what you sow, whatever you want to attach to it, it's a principle, it's a law of God that he put into motion that as we do it in obedience, in obedience, true obedience, then it will cause those things to happen. But just like a tithe going forward, 10% of your finance doesn't always constitute as a tithe. Just because it's the finance doesn't mean it constitutes as the tithe. You're honoring God by bringing him the first fruit. Cain and Abel both tithed. And it didn't say that they didn't bring 10%. They didn't go by that whole, well, I brought 10% and I did too. They, Cain brought an offering. Abel brought an offering. Cain brought an offering. Abel brought the first fruit. They may have been equal in value and equal in percentage, but it was the first fruit. That was obedience. That's true obedience, not partial obedience. And, and I'm just using tithing as an example because it's so practical and we, and we think about it on a regular basis. But you don't pay all your bills and then the 10% that's left over you give to God. You have faith in him and that's what he honors. Oh, they have faith in me. Sure, I'll make the rest work out. But it was that faith to do the first step in him, not knowing if you were going to have a rest to cover the rest of your bills. That's honoring him. Matthew 10.41 says... Anyone who receives a prophet, because he's a prophet, and I'm reading out of the NIV because it just it, it said it the way I wanted to get it out there. Anyone who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. Anyone who receives a righteous man, because he's a righteous man, will receive a righteous man's reward. It could have said any number of things. It could have said anyone who receives a prophet, because he is smart, intelligent, um, good-looking, a good leader, he's mercy motivated, and he doesn't really make me feel bad, um, that I'll, I'll receive his reward because of all this. It said because he is a prophet. Because God called him to be a prophet. And the same goes for the righteous man. It was because he was a righteous man. And righteous people don't get along with a lot of people in this world. So by the world's standards, if you look at a righteous man, the world would not really like much to do with him because as he walks in the light... And those that are in the world are not in the light, and he comes in the room, all of a sudden they're exposed. They don't want to be around him. It's hard to honor a righteous man. It's hard to be around a righteous man or woman. 
if you're if you're in sin, but if you're if you're honoring them because they're righteous and you see a call of God on their life and you see an anointing on their life because they're walking it out righteously, just like so many of us in this church, and that's what's so cool about this church. We don't get to go out and scout many churches, but there is an, an anointing of righteousness. True righteousness. If I went home, and I know so many of you, I've done work on your homes, I know your children, I, I, I mean, they're not always the best example, but I've, I've got a lot of, I'm just kidding guys, I love you, I'm just trying to, that's my little info, my little commercial. But I know you well enough to know that while we're, none of us are perfect, but there is, there is righteousness. I was involved in another church, not involved, I went to another church um, before I came here, and I'm not going to get go on and on about it, but it was not, there was not a lot of sense of righteousness there. There was a sense of, of, of instruction, and worship rocked, but righteousness didn't dwell on that house. But I believe that it's because of the mantle that we've taken on because of our senior pastor and the, the leadership that he's brought us, um, and we're able to walk in that. Elisha and Elijah is a great example of how this worked. You know, Elisha honored Elijah big time, majorly. And it, what that did was that activated. It's like a, excuse me, some scientist. What do you put in a solution to activate it? Catalyst. Honor was the catalyst for that anointing, that, that double mantle to be passed. It was that honor. This came to me today as I was standing in our new office at home, well, it's the garage. We just put some sheetrock up. Um, I'm standing in there and I'm rehearsing. You know, I'm going through saying, okay, I'm going to look. At, and then it, it hit me. Both in Elijah and Elisha's case and Ruth and Naomi's case. You know what, the, what showed forth the most was that they tried to get rid of this, this person following them. It's like, stay here. Don't follow me. Leave me alone. I'm going to go do this thing. And absolutely not. I'm with you till the end. And they just kept coming. And nothing that this person did. Now, they're a righteous person. Elijah, or Elijah was obviously, Naomi as well. But there was, there was an attachment there. They wanted to follow them. And I think of it in churches, it's so quick that when pastor doesn't, you know, jump, when we say jump, or, and I'm not talking about we, but congregations, people say, I'm leaving. I'm not going to stand here and tolerate you not listening to me. I sit on the board for crying out loud. I tell you what you're going to preach on Sunday and you're not going to listen to me. Or, you know, people have a, have a tendency to, to leave at the drop of a hat. And that does not show honor. Honor to me is when you're being tested, when your differences are tested, when your character is being refined and there's a fire and you're standing in it and you decide, I don't like this, it's too hot, I'm getting out of this kitchen, and you leave. You, didn't, you don't honor that person. Proof is in the pudding. When you, when you stand behind them because you honor them as a man or woman of God, that is, that is where the test comes in. And a test, we've learned this before, and I don't know if it's been taught in a corporate setting, but a test is never um, to teach you. Now, we do learn from tests, absolutely. But even in school, how many times did you sit down at a test and the teacher put the timer up, turned it on and said, okay, you have 30 minutes to complete that test? Was there much teaching going on at this moment? No. What was revealed to you during that time was what you knew, what you had absorbed from what you learned. Now, if you're like me, everything that I missed, and I found out that I missed, I was one of those that I like to get my test back at the end to see what it was that I missed. Those are the things I remembered from now on. The, all the stuff that I had studied and crammed for, and I got it, and I... Even the things I guessed right, 
I never knew to begin with. I didn't ever remember those at the end. All I remembered was those things that I was like, man, I should have known that. It stuck. And it's honor. It's these tests that we go through. And when we have the opportunity to honor, first of all, what a blessing that we have an opportunity for God to open a window and pour out some anointing. Because I tell you what, we're under great leadership. We fellowship with, with some of the finest people, I believe, in the world, let alone Charleston, South Carolina. We take for granted the, the beauty of what we have here. I heard so many conversations while we were away, and, and I just I, I, I didn't sense that everybody was doing what we were doing. I heard conversations that made me believe that, wow, they're on the brink of destruction, self-destruction. And I'm not saying that to, to undermine anybody, but the fact is there was not a sense of community. There was not a sense of fellowship. There was not a sense of... Of, of it really boils down to righteousness, the core, that selfless righteousness that we get taught here, whether we like it or not. If you've been through discovery, you've been through journey, you're like, I already know this, I already know this, but then all of a sudden you get hit with something. So, wow, I, I didn't realize that about that. And a light bulb comes on, and we're able to get that. So many churches don't offer that. And I don't just mean the establishment. I'm the group of people that we surround ourselves with. We have guys here that talk about stuff that, I mean, it's like Hallmark. And you don't really, it really is. It's, you know, you just don't, you don't see that in the world. It's just really cool. And, and it's, it's because of the, the anointing that we have because we're honoring a man of God. Um, and this, this study did not intend to be like, uh, I'm going to promote Pastor Baird. But I'm just, I'm excited. And as the further I went into this, I'm like, man, it's just cool. And I'm thankful. I have my whole life. My wonderful in-laws are here. I'm married to... I mean, I have, I have God to, to thank for all of this, but it was because I was willing to come under authority and submit and honor a man of God that my life was fixed. So get this. You cannot, all right, here we go. The, the Shunammite woman. Um, now, when Elisha was walking by, you, you know the story with the Shunammite woman. She saw Elijah, I can just picture like there's a door and he's like walking back and forth and she noticed him and something attracted her to him. But she's like, he must be tired. He walks an awful lot because he's like back and forth and back and forth. And finally she sets up a little setup for him and says, well, next time I see him, I'm going to invite him in because I know this is a great man of God and I want to I honor him. And so she, without his even knowing, behind the scenes, you know, he doesn't even really know who she is. She just knows he's a man of God. He's in town. And she sets him up with a nice little setup there. And he walks in. And she says, come on and I'll read you. Um, in fact, I'm going to take the time um, to read this. 2 Kings 4, 8 through 17. It says, now it happened on the day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there and eat some food. Now, she had to persuade this man of God. We do not have a right to any relationship we don't pursue. She was in pursuit. And she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes us by regularly. Please, let us make... Now understand, she's falling in under her husband's authority. She's got, an, she's, she's got a revelation. She's got a word of knowledge. She's going to act on it, but first she wants to, to make sure that they're in agreement. And she says, you know, let's, let's hook them up. In, in other words, um, please let us make a small upper room on the... On the wall, now he's like, great, I'm going to have to build a, a room. And uh, let us put a bed for him there, and a table, and a chair, and a lampstand, and 
I can just picture Tracy, you know how she's like, oh, and we'll, we'll paint this wall this color and, and do this. And, you know, it's, and the pastor's like, yeah, okay, we're going to do it. Um, and it happened that on the day that he came there, he turned into the upper room and laid down there. Then she said to that guy, his servant, Gezi, Gehazi, call this Shunammite woman. So he had called her, and she stood before him, and he, said, she said, he had said to him, say now to her, I don't know why he's not talking to her directly, but he's talking through a mediator. Maybe he didn't speak her language. I don't know. But look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She answered, no, I'm, I'm, I dwell here amongst my own people. I'm cool right here. So he said, well, then what, what can I do for you? What, what can be done for her? Again, he's going through his mediator. And uh, Gehazi answered and said, actually, she has no son, and her husband's kind of old. And so he said, well, call her. And so when he called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you're going to embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. She's kind of like, you've got to be kidding me. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time came, in which Elisha told her. So he prophesied that she would have a child, something that was, it was a miracle. He, he performed a miracle, but it was not... Him, it was her honor. It was that she honored him. And the way that she honored him, there was that, that cause-effect, that so-reap, that, you know, that had to happen. And it's just cool. Well, you cannot honor God's word or honor someone without the blessing of honor pursuing you. That's what I was talking about there. Now, an example of dishonor and the curse. Adam and Eve, self-explanatory. The two sons of Noah, this is, this is something else. Um, you all remember there's, there's three sons. One of, Noah gets on land and he's, legs, you know, he's a little wobbly from being on the ocean. And I don't know why, but he goes and he gets wasted and he passes out. And one of his sons walks in and catches him naked laying down there. And he laughs and says, goes out to his brothers and says, Look, Dad's passed out drunk and he's naked. <laughs> that was not cool. Like, what do you, you don't, you don't do that. That's dad. What do you guys do? So the other two sons, they go so far as to take a sheet, they put it over their shoulders, and they walk backwards and covered him so their eyes didn't see him. And they, they walked away, and they didn't want to see that. They didn't want to dishonor their father. Well, get this. God, now, I don't get it. I thought that... um. God works generationally. He thinks generationally. But um, I'm drawing a blank. Was it Shem? That Shem was the one that messed up. Ham, I'm sorry. Ham messed up. Canaan was, was his son. Ham was being a ham. And he, he dishonored his father. He did some things. He, ham deserved a spanking. But he didn't get one directly. Canaan was cursed. Everything about Canaan. You all know Canaan. The Canaanite. I mean, it's just, it just ruined a generation, a whole nation. I mean, it just it ruined so much, that single act of disobedience. But it, the honor that the other two sons showed their father caused them to be blessed beyond compare. And the blessings predominantly came from Canaan. Canaan was their servant. He was a servant of servants. He, was, he, was, he fell to the bottom of the totem pole real quick, and he elevated his brothers. 
God can cause all things to work together for good. And He does. Now, in Ephesians um, 6, 2 and 3, chapter 6, verse 2 and 3, um, you know, we hear about honoring fathers and mothers. And it, that's really the only commandment that has a promise attached to it. And as we honor our father and our mother, not just with our actions, but with our thoughts and our, and our spirit, there's a promise to it. It'll add length to our years. I mean, that's, that's a great thing. But do realize that your father and your mother, biologically, are not the only father and mother. Um, there's a lot of people that are orphaned, and they end up with, with fathers and mothers. And then there's surrogate parents that aren't even really involved in the kids, so should that kid honor that woman because that's his mother? It can get really complicated. But what it boils down to is the authority that's put over you, that's placed over you, in the position of father and mother in the house, at home, in the house, at church, in these settings, there is, there's a, a mantle that they carry that, that it requires honor. And as we come under their authority, we honor them. And there's a blessing that comes with them. It's, just, it's not just restricted to mommy and daddy at home. Um, as, we, as we sow honor into certain areas of our lives, we're going to reap a harvest in that area. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 um, it says, honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of all your increase. Again, the first fruits. You'll never see that when honor talk, when pa pastor God, um, when God talks about honoring him with, with possessions and, and tithes, it always follows with first fruits of all your increase. That's how you truly honor. It's not with the act of giving him the thing. It's that you acknowledged him first and you gave it to him. And that's honor. Um, so your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. That's just a promise attached to it. That's the sowing and reaping. Elijah and the widow. Um, this is a pretty long word of, of Scripture, but I'm going to get through this, and we'll, we'll come to a close here. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise and go to Zephyrath. Um, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And she was going to get it. And he said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in hand as well. So she said, Well, as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I can go home, prepare me and my son a little fire, and that we might go ahead and cook this thing up, eat it, and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as... as uh... Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first, and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for you and your son. For thus says the Lord, God of Israel... The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day of the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And so she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was never used up, nor did the jar of oil ever run dry, according to the word of God, or the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. So God spoke through Elijah to this woman. Now, if you read earlier on, he is, he's already commanded. God, God told Elijah, I've already commanded a widow there to provide for you. Somehow she didn't get the memo. Because when he showed up and she's like, I could just picture her gathering sticks and 
getting ready to go cook this food because she's going to die. He called out to her, and she's just kind of caught off guard. Huh? Like, what? I'm, no, I'm, I'm getting ready to go eat and die. Who are you? No, I'm not going to. But she was obedient. The word of God came forth. She sensed that he was a, a man of God. But then it occurred to me that he's already placed in her the spirit of discernment to know that, I'm gonna, that you're going to do this. I'm going to give you a, a peace to be obedient in that situation. Now, I just want to go through these things real fast as we're coming to a close. The problem of dishonor in the local church. Dishonor, amongst other things, will constrain the power and the favor of God through the local body. We are called to win souls and make disciples. We are called to grow, not a church, but a family. We're we're here to grow the church through honor, through the principles of... of, We're not here doing some get-rich-quick scheme or grow your church to 10,000 in three easy steps. That's not what we're trying to do as a local body. The enemy knows this. He knows that we're, we're developing true disciples. Those of you who are sitting in this room right now know what I'm talking about. You are experiencing a growth in your life, a level of discipline that allows you to pass these tests. When the enemy comes to you, he can't fool you because you see right through him. And he wants to break dishonor. He wants to, to create strife and confusion and contention in the local body so that God doesn't receive glory and we don't receive blessing. If we don't have the anointing, we don't have the blessing of God, we can't do His work truly. We can do what some megachurches do or some, um, and I'm just throwing words out there, but seekers churches or those that might provide cotton candy at the front door, but they're going to die if they don't get the meat and potatoes. We're serving that up here, and it's tough. It is truly tough. But as we are obedient and walk in His righteousness and walk in the light as He is in the light, the power of God, the glory of God, the blessings of God, and the abilities that we possess in him are going to unlock. But they are not going to happen if we, don't, if we do dishonor. Um, we will walk under an open heaven as long as we honor God. We enjoy the blessings of the house if, as we honor the authority in this house. Offenses unattended will result in dishonor in the ministry. Get this, guys. Offenses are your worst enemy. God does not honor someone who is... Carrying around resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, and all of that, as a, that, that manifests itself in offense and therefore lack of honor. And then next thing you know, there's talking, gibber and just things happen throughout the church. It's like a cancer in the body, offenses. So we need to make sure we are, are offense-free. Familiarity is huge. And that's why we try to switch stuff up in this house so often. Um, pastor, while he wants to do something, you know, he wants to stay in the will of God and we're using God's word and there's principles that we've adopted and applied, familiarity will cause you to die. Spiritually die. You won't receive and a church can just end up being a stand-up, sit down, stand-up, sing a song, sit down, drop your money on the plate and go home. And that is not God. God is an ever, he's, he's always the same, but he's always moving. Stuff's always happening. Um, honor must be restored to the American church. Now, we've allowed the sinful acts of humans to steal the blessings that Shem and, and Japheth once in, enjoyed. I think that uh, speaks for itself. But we have, we have dishonored God in so many ways. So many ways. And, and some of us don't even know we're doing it anymore. The training has gone from generation to generation that we have lost God's word. We don't even know what it means 
young people aren't even reading their Bible anymore because they'll just go to church Sunday, hear what's going on, and, and they don't, they're, not, they're not assimilating what God is truly saying to them as individuals. That's the problem with the American church. We're not relying on God's Word. We're, we're, we're reading so many books about the Bible and getting all the information about what they think and what they believe, and then we come up with our own interpretations based on the book that we read from... And I love Joyce Myers. She's great. But there's Joyce Myers. There's the Creflo Dollars. There's the, and they are wonderful men and women of God. But they're not God. We want to read God's Word and get from His Word. And we can write our own book someday. But you've got to get from God's Word what He's trying to tell you individually. We've, allowed, uh, we've stopped honoring the spirit of the house and placed our faith and trust in sinful people. That goes along with what I just said. Now, these are the three signs or three of, of the signs that you can expect to see when honor is being lost. Three ways to see a father and son losing honor towards their oversight is the ability to receive instruction. That's huge. And that doesn't just fall in the realm of a church life, but uh, in all areas of your life. Even, especially even in relationships. If you look at husbands and wives, when it starts off, they're so open to each other's ideas. And then all of a sudden, when there's a fence built up, and you know, now nobody's, nobody can tell them anything. You know, they can go to their girlfriend. You know, Kelly never does this, but go, get a revelation from a girlfriend and come home and say, oh, you know what I just learned? And she'll tell me, and oh, I just told you that yesterday. What, how come you didn't hear from me? Oh, well, I don't hear from you. you know, so that happens. Um, but there's a closing off and a lack of teachability. Inability to be corrected, um, there's a, there's a, I think the worst trait anyone can ever have is to become passive and get quiet and just start to observe and somebody says, oh, how, how have you been? Oh, I'm good. Good? Oh, good. Well, anything to report? No, I'm good. Well, bless you. Yeah, bless you. God bless you. Glory. And walking, and there's stuff, there's something going on, you know. There's just things going on. And next thing you know, there's a small group that developed and nobody even knew it was happening. And the pastor approaches it and says, well, what's, what's this small? Well, well, we're just honoring the Bible. What are you doing? What? And, oh, whoa. I just, I'm just curious what's going on. And then another church pops up down the street. Oh, look. Well, that was one of my congregants. How'd that happen? And the worst thing is, and this Pastor Dagmill said this, so I'm not, I'm not stealing it. But the worst thing is they'll leave. And, you know, we have this wonderful oasis to enjoy and this, this water of life that we take in the pond of, of, of righteousness and we all bask in it on a weekly basis and they just walk out and we we in the pond on the way out and they leave and go to their other church and next thing you know we're there's strife and it, there's things going on here because they just cast a something in the pond and we're we're here to bask in it and that's just the worst thing that ever happened and it happens so often in churches the ability to give Time, talent, and finances, just people aren't willing to serve a nursery. I'm not called to that ministry. I'm sorry. You know, their talents and, and finances, it's just huge. The ability to pursue with passion. That's it. That's, that's when the enemy wins, when all the passion's gone. And you're going through the motions. You're just coming to church. You're going through the motions. There's no passion. There's no zeal. And um, don't ever let the enemy steal that from you guys. Age is nothing but a number in Christ. We are all child, a child of the Most High. When we get in his presence, it's okay to dance and be free and sing at the top of your lungs and act, act a fool. It's, it's okay. He loves it. Maybe not the fool part, but he loves, he loves when we come into his presence and, and just be, have that childlike spirit. Um, little or no interest in the father's vision. When I say father, father of the house, uh, his vision or anointing, you know, that, 
that passion that we come into to win souls and make disciples and see Charleston one for Christ, that passion can be, can be snuffed out as we, as we fall away from um, the father of the house and we, and we lose honor towards pastor. And the next thing you know, everything that he says is just, it just doesn't witness to our spirit. And it causes us to, to lose the vision of the house and, and lose sight of what God is calling us to do. And I can assure you that God wants nothing more than for us to win souls and make disciples and to be children of God. He wants us all to worship with him in heaven for eternity. That's what he desires most. That's what the house is, is teaching. If, if you lose that heart, there, there, it's got to be something other than the vision, I promise you. It's got to be something other than the vision. Because the vision is spot on. We honor those whom we value. If we lose, to, if we lose the value in, in someone, then we're just going to be cut off from the anointing that flows from that head. If someone pursues you, they value you. Pastor has always said, and I get this from him, but we have no right to any relationship that we don't pursue. You cannot be connected to someone or some cause that you don't value. Guys, I just want to encourage you tonight to reevaluate your, your station in the area of honor. And not just in this house under pastor, but your spouses, kids, your parents. We don't always agree with what we're being asked to do or told to do, but God has placed us under an authority. And um, at your workplace, hopefully you don't, but if you get pulled over, how you conduct yourself, because you're going to shine for Christ in times where these areas of your life are being tested. That's when the layperson, those who don't know Christ, see an example of what it means to be a Christian. The Jesus fish stuck on the back of your car doesn't do it. It just doesn't cut it. I've, had, I've been flicked off by too many fish. And it's not, that's not God, okay? People, you don't have to have a bumper sticker on your car to shine the light of Christ. You understand? And honor is huge because nobody else wants to honor someone that they don't agree with. But the one that stands up will win the attention of that father. Win the blessings of that father. And what happens is even those in high-ranking positions in your workplace and other areas, they're going to be influenced. And guess what? They're over people. They're over other people. And when you can win them to Christ by your actions, because our lives are some of the, the only Bible that anybody's ever going to read. Believe it or not, our lives are some of the only Bible that anybody's ever going to read. And if we can stand up for what's right in obedience, not in haughtiness, not in... Oh, I'm, I passed that test, you know, and you're going to walk around with a patch on your shoulder for a week because you passed that test. But just to say, Father, I honor you. Lord, I don't like this situation. I don't understand what's going on, but I'm going to honor you. Show me how to honor you. And you treat that person. And next thing you know, you're going to, there's going to be favor. You're going to be the one getting all the raises at work. You're going to be the one being asked to do the things that nobody else would do. And that's going to hurt sometimes, but guess what? That's going to put you in favor and you're going to see the windows of heaven open, and you're going to find resource that you never knew existed, not just in way of finance, but in friends and connections and, and people that will sow into your life. And it's just an amazing thing that can happen if we value honor and we value those who are put, appointed authority over us. So I just want to encourage you in that. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for tonight. Lord, I thank you for putting us under uh, authorities in our lives. I thank you for establishing authority, God.
I thank you that you love us so much that you would put us under someone to care and tend to us. Father, help us to be a blessing to those who are over us. Lord, help us to be a witness to those around us through our obedience in these tests. Father, it's only our desire to please you. There's no way we're ever going to please everyone, but Father, we can please you. And while it's not easy, God, I just ask that you would give us the boldness, give us the discernment, give us the wherewithal, Lord, to, to just be obedient in you and to rejoice in times of testing, to know that, Lord, you care about us enough that you're willing to see where you can place us in your kingdom. And as we pass these tests, Lord, you advance us into the next level Christianity, the out-of-the-boat Christianity, Lord, that faith that walks on water, God. I thank you for who you are in my life, and I thank you that I have a family here in Christ. And it's all because of the authority that you've placed us under. As we go out tonight, Lord, I just pray that you would allow this to marinate in our spirits and that we develop a new respect for you, an honor, like we've never honored you before. And it's in Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Thanks for coming out on another Wednesday night. It's probably going to be raining out there now. Oh, no, 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 no. Herndon just prophesied. Thus saith